0: Yesterday was January 6th, which is just a holiday now. It's been three years. For some reason this year, people really leaned into it's J6 again. Um, it was all the, the news all day was like weird coverage of like, they had like some sort of vigil, <laughs> <laughs> like the White House lawn or the Capitol lawn or whatever. They just forgot um, about it last year. I guess there was J6 stuff last year, but I don't remember it being like this. Yeah. Maybe maybe the difference is me. Maybe I was still making jokes last year, and then this time I was like, all right. Maybe because every uh, year. six is divisible of three or, you know. <clears throat> That's got to be it. That makes the most sense. I don't even know if I said I've...
1: that right. It's uh, <laughs> not a math person. Look at my academic yeah. credentials. Uh, they're going to be questioned after that. Uh, after that. Mathematically illiterate statement, but...
0: Uh. That, I'm not going to think about it too hard. I think you might have said it wrong too, but I don't know how to say it either because, um, you know, we're adults and we don't use anything we learned in school anymore. Um, so I'm trying to do a little setup here. Uh, someone stormed the real capital. Mm. You may have seen.
1: Oh, yes, yes. A mythical uh, a, uh An uh-huh. ancient one in a way.
0: <laughs> Well, no, it wasn't the Pyramid Bass Pro Shop. For some reason, that's only because that one's that's in Memphis. This one was in uh, Leeds, which is apparently the name of a town in Alabama. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leeds spelled like England. You know how we do that all over the American South. There's like a Palestine and a, a fucking egypt texas or whatever there's a paris texas there's like two thousand
1: londons all over the country
0: yeah there's a leeds and uh, apparently there's a big bass pro shop there that is not in a pyramid it just is a big bass pro shop they also exist in regular buildings and uh yeah so this guy went super viral yesterday because he was swimming in the in like one of the big tanks that you can like see into, you know, the one of the walls is um like glass and there's like gators and stuff in there usually and fish. And he uh he looked like he had no dick because yeah. I guess it was super cold and he yeah. was always oh, naked, by the way, he took off all his clothes right. and he jumped in there. I don't know why I'm explaining it. You all probably saw yeah. it, Um, but he's rep- so I thought. Maybe this is not a man at all, and that's why he has no penis. Mm-hmm. And everyone's gonna feel real bad after they make fun of his genitalia. And then, oh my God, look at you—you you shamed a trans person. No, 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 no. I'm receiving word on on the ground. He did have a dick. It was just little I, and especially small because of the cold water. Right.
1: I saw there was a second photo
0: where you could see you could see the penis. Uh, you could see A second hand. photo has a second nude man has hit the towers. Yeah.
1: Second documentation
0: uh, of the Bass Pro Shop nudist. Um, yeah. So uh every, everyone relax. You can we have the go ahead, you can make fun of him because that's some nude guy. Wait a minute, hold on, back it up. He's mentally ill. What? Uh <laughs> that's what this report is saying is that he was like it's saying the 42-year-old man was reported to be acting erratically and drove a vehicle into a pole in the store parking lot. After the crash, he got out of his vehicle, took off his clothes, ran into the Bass Pro Shop, and jumped into the aquarium. So this is like the end of like an episode some guy was having. Although you know, it still could just be some guy being an asshole. Like the the there's there's a really difficult to quantify line between just going crazy and actually going crazy. Mm. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I thought for a minute it might be like an <clears throat> anti-body shaming exercise. Like, to, this is me, world. <laughs> we exist, we're people too. It's not how big
0: it is, it's how you use it. Um, oh, yeah. It's specifically about his penis. because mm-hmm. The rest of his body is no picnic either. Yeah. Um. Wow, I am being body shaming. <laughs> you know what? He was beautiful. Okay, so he did a cannonball into the aquarium, which is very cool. Oh, I missed that. I don't think it was on video. <laughs> Wait, no, it says video taken by bystanders shows the man do a cannonball. So everyone missed that. I think oh, I've got to go
1: back um, and check that out. Yeah. Apparently. So that this, I have a friend from Florida. I was talking to about it. This, this happens um, with some frequency at, in the bath <laughs> pro shops of the world, uh, especially in the, in the sunshine state there, uh, there was a, uh, there's a. It happens. I guess people do it usually clothed or in a bathing suit or something. But it costs like <coughs> thirty grand to deal with all the water after this happens because it <laughs> contaminates the what? Like the there's it's meant yeah. for fish, and then that yeah. like, displaces the water. It's bad for the for their environ, and so people get sued for it all the time for thirty grand.
0: Damn, that's what I should have done with the money I got from my five thirty eight buyout. <laughs> he continued to shout something to officers before he climbed over the side of the aquarium, dropped to the concrete floor and appears to have knocked or been knocked out by the fall. So he'd like knocked his own ass out when he climbed Mm -hmm. out of the tank. And uh, then they took him into custody or whatever. And so I, here's what I think is interesting, right? Is uh, he was taken to a hospital for mental evaluation and yada, yada, yada. So now all the reporting over it has like, um, well he's being charged with like disorderly conduct and resisting arrest public public lewdness which is still a thing um assault on an officer cool two counts of first degree criminal mischief and two counts of reckless endangerment so they just threw the whole book at him uh but now all of the reporting has like this mental health sort of sheen over it and it's like maybe that's just like now that he's arrested, you know, that's like what his lawyer is like. Okay, we're going to go with this. Uh, like, It could be that he just was being funny. And then now to save money and get out of jail, you have to say, oh, I was having an episode. Think,
1: or maybe he really was. I think anybody who does that has, is suffering in some way on a <coughs> psychological level. Uh, I, well, I'm curious it, about what, do you know what he was yelling? Because the video I saw, he was screaming something It was hard to make out.
0: Oh, I don't know. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, did he have an agenda of some kind? Who knows?
1: Perhaps. For the small dickhead.
0: For the small dickhead. Ain't no rest for the dickhead. <laughs> Money don't grow on trees. I fucking hate that song. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. It's Pod Damn America. It's J7. It's the day after J6. I have a J6 hangover. Uh, I'm Jake Flores. That's Anders Lee.
1: Anders J Lee here.
0: Anders J6 Lee here.
1: <laughs> you know, I said You're I wasn't re- going to start do, contaminating Anders Lee here with the J, but uh, just just for today. It is my pen name now <laughs> is Anders J. Lee officially. Uh, but uh, You're really sticking with this. Yeah, I got it because, you know, I'm ungoogleable. Uh, as we know, there's a, a plant from the deep state who uh, is sucking up all my the oxygen I would be taking out of the infosphere with his hockey uh, antics, um, and I have to distinguish myself. So uh, that's my 2024 resolution to be Anders J. Lee, and we'll see if we can do Anders J. Lee here. Uh, I, it works certainly better than Anders J. M. Lee here, but uh, it's no Anders Lee here.
0: Um, well, you know, it is going to make the podcast slightly longer. <laughs> so we, we got to fill air sometimes. So <laughs> that's true. Throw a few other letters <laughs> yeah, in there. I have, I have two. Yeah, maybe I should do Anders J. M. Lee here <laughs> that'll help that we'll be printing money man after that we won't have to We'll only have 59 minutes and 59 ish other seconds to fill <laughs> i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna actually sit down and time that and it'll
0: be <clears throat> such a tiny gradient of a second but i'm curious <laughs> <laughs> um what did you do yesterday did you storm anything
1: I stormed a Christmas party, or a holiday, or a New Year's party, excuse me, um, that was held on Jan 6th. I keep calling it a Christmas party, because not a lot of people do
0: New Year's parties after New Year's Day, and I really respect it. Um, Wait, you went to a New Year's party on the 6th of January? I did. Uh, what the, who the fuck throws that? Former neighbors of
1: mine, uh, good people. Um <laughs> And uh, it was it was a good time. Uh yeah. I brought some seltzer, um and uh, ate a, drank a mocktail. It was it was a good J six, I would say. Um I bet the sixth anniversary is gonna be nuts in twenty twenty seven.
0: Oh I think twenty twenty six. I was like, oh my God, number of the beast. Well but that one
1: will be even crazier because that's gonna be I guess just six twenty six, but close to <laughs> close to six six six. You know what we are having this year? One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Oh, wait. Am I getting that right? I, I, uh, <laughs> December 23rd, 24. One, one, two, two, three, two, four. There's some other Was date it? that I'm, I'm, I should have, <laughs> I didn't anticipate this coming up, but I saw a date that we will be entering in the new year sometime in December. And it's, it's an interesting day. You always think something fun is going to happen, uh, but you always forget to, to do anything. I remember six, six Oh six. I thought a couple people (laughs) thought would some satanic shit would be going off. I just had a baseball game. That was it. Um, but that was when the remake
0: of the Omen came out. That's
1: right. Yeah. You got to do an original one for that. You know, they come up with a new, just call a movie six, six, six. Have it be the actual, the mark of the beast. What does that term mean? Uh, make a, that's IP right there. Make a movie about that.
0: Who is, I was, if my name was Mark, I would go by the Mark of the Beast. <laughs> if only.
1: Well, but you had a good J six.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Um, didn't? wasn't Wasn't like in December there was one of those fucking number holidays where it was like one two three one two three or something. Mm-hmm. Well, you literally like, even if you gave me time to sit here and try to figure it out, I couldn't <laughs> because of the math yeah. thing that was happening to us earlier. I just can't, I don't care enough to, I think that happened though. I think like new year's was like one, two, three, one. It was like a palindrome or something yeah. that nerds get excited about. Uh, but um, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I went to some parties and stuff. I met a chaos magician uh talked about the cia extensively drank some fresh grapefruit juice went into a meme uh, house a meme you know house? all the door a meme house a house where people make memes really i've heard of influencer house tiktok but uh this is for i think it was kind of like that you could call it that okay interesting what do you call is it are you still an influencer if you do anti-capitalist shit on the internet are we influencers
1: uh, I don't know if I would qualify, but uh,
0: by somebody's definition. I'm an under-the-influencer pal. Yeah. How do you like that joke from 20 years ago? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. I'm just chilling now. Um, interesting interesting news week. Um, I don't know. <laughs> A lot of <has> happened. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I'm glad I'm having a kind of a New Year's malaise. I don't know what it is. I'm happy that it's the first couple of days of the New Year. You're like, all right, I'm going to do everything differently. And then it just sort of all washes back over you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, life is just staring at a phone and being mad at Will Stansel. <laughs> have, you know?
1: have take Will Stansel. That's what I always say. <laughs>
0: yeah. Everything I've learned about him has been against my Will Stansel. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I you know, but the think about how to approach this because uh, I there's a tweet by the the Irish American journalist Moira Donegan, who is sort of saying that um, we're we are collectively driving him insane. <laughs> he's uh, he is annoying, but this just uh, this it's it's bullying in a way,
0: and it's good bullying. There's good, bullying is a tool.
1: It can be, yeah. He though I don't know if he I mean he's not in a position of power really uh, he's just and I I'm sort of trying when I do reply to him and I have I have had a couple dust ups where he'll he'll Q T me um, in the it it always starts out and in case people are off Twitter um, which I'm envious of there, there's a gentleman William Stansel who lives in Minneapolis Minnesota and uh, is like was it, kind of the quintessential Warren supporter. He was. He's a wonk. Uh, he does demography research and stuff, and actually has some done some excellent work on school uh, segregation, de facto segregation, uh, and it's it's interesting stuff. But he's he's puts himself on the chopping block all the time on Twitter because he will sort of uh, muse about uh, things that are just kind of uh, that everybody on the the left kind of accepts basically like things that we have already sort of discussed ad nauseum and have theories about. And there's always this wealth of information about, and it's, and he'll kind of pose these things like, why do people think this? And there's like a wealth of information out there about why they think that. And people don't even know where to begin uh, because it's just, he'll say things that are, it's, it's not that he's um, necessarily wrong about everything. It's just the way he packages it. Is or it's not even wrong to be. It w- would be one thing if he was posing things out of curiosity and wanting to learn more, which sometimes it is. But it's usually just kind of an authoritative. Uh, leftist don't understand X, and they think Y, and uh, without under without actually engaging with the recu- and arguments or having a, a comprehensive, you know, understanding of them, uh, making these sort of large generalizations, uh, and it can be very maddening. Um,
0: but it is maddening. I mean, that you just broke it down in a really interesting way. But I, it's, I think that you could reduce it further. To I think he's, I think he, I think he might be an op. And I know people say <laughs> shit like that all the time, but like. This person's clearly like online all the time engaging with us just seemingly just to drive us all insane. Like I ignored him for a long time Mm -hmm. and then eventually I just fell into it because it's you just it's irresistible to have someone like saying these things that you know the fucking answers to and you can like argue with him about. And uh, before you know it, you've spent four hours just fucking yelling at some random person online. He's, whether it's on purpose or not, it's useful to the establishment that no one's doing anything. We're all just arguing with this fucking guy. David Harvey was making fun of him the other day. Or yeah.
1: whoever <laughs> runs David Harvey's account. Yeah, was was uh, ah, fair. <laughs> Verso uh, Books did a, a special sale on Read a Book because that's often um, one of his – uh rejoinder people give him is read a book about this subject you know nothing about and are pontificating on. Uh and um, you know, I don't know what that exact one was from. The one I got into it with was was fascism, uh, where he started out saying that basically it is mistaken to think fascism arises from material conditions it was just is such a perfect example of what we're talking about. It's such a broad, like vague, uh and just Incredibly sweeping statement
0: um, that a lot of people do. You, do you, when you hear that statement, you feel your blood like sort of start pulsing because you are yeah. like, oh, I have so much to say about this," right. and this person is just going to sit there and be a punching bag about it and just keep denying it or keep denying what you are saying. So you could just fucking spend all your energy explaining it to him, yeah, to one hundred percent resistance, right? And I did like I, I think a a
1: reply he gets a lot, which is just like what does this even mean? Like, what does he mean? There's so many assumptions baked into that initial tweet that need to be unpacked and challenged that he's just rolling with. Uh, and he responded to me with read a book genius, which is, you know, <laughs> something he gets annoyed when people say to him. Um, but it, he, yeah, the, the, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to like, everything comes from material conditions, which, uh, I not to like relitigate my specific argument with him because um, he was getting it, you know, from he gets it from thousands of people at a time and also believes that he is. So why I don't think he's an op is because he genuinely believes he is doing the thing that people accuse him of, which is like um like changing the terms of the debate in a meaningful way that actually
0: has real world, real world consequences, which I just don't think any of it does. Uh, He's for sure like an idealist. Yeah. He thinks that this, this stuff affects the world. That's what's so crazy about like Twitter libs is that the reason that they're so deranged about Twitter is that they think that the fate of the future and like surrounding the outcome of the 2024 election revolves around people sharing ideas on the right. internet right. and not, from material reality yeah so by their own like philosophy this is very important you know right but it's like not (laughs) that's what that's why it's so frustrating coming from the other end of this because you're like it doesn't matter that other people have opinions you don't like like that's not going to change whether people vote for biden or not right you know
1: yeah and that's been his big bugbear is uh the the vibe session (laughs) which he he claims you know the economy is really good Uh, It's doing well under Biden because of Biden's policies. And um, therefore, the negative polling about the economy is from vibes. It's from uh, narratives that are being spread. Uh, It's from people at the top who are uh actually not benefiting as much from the biden economy as people at the bottom which he's, he's claiming uh and that it's all just kind of a smoke <laughs> and mirrors thing and people don't realize how good they have it and uh I thought a good sort of takedown of that was actually from another person of the same ilk uh Nate Cohn who's like another like data driven dude um it's it's so funny to me how like Nate he, he's almost like a a nate silver wannabe it kind of seems and it's like when it's interesting when two people with the same name it's like if i were to go into becoming a hockey player uh which i didn't because because of the name because i already you know if it weren't for that then maybe i would be in the the nhl they already have an andersley uh they don't have an anders though. that's true i guess i one of us would have to do that uh if we were both in the same league um but This is what Nate Cohn said a few months back. He's like, there might Nate, Nate dog, (laughs) Nate dog. He says there might well be something to the vibes argument. There might be a lot to it, but there's just not much evidence to support it uh, because the stancels of the world, they fundamentally rest on their, their cases on a diagnosis of exclusion that if we don't buy the economic argument, then it must be non-economic. And if it's non-economic, it can really be anything. The power of vibes here is naturally indeterminate and allowing limitless explanatory power to a theory without evidence should give any serious thinker some pause. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it, it's a, a frustrating.
0: That was a very wonky beat down.
1: <laughs> the, my reading of it?
0: No, he's what he's yeah. saying. He's like <laughs> kicking a guy's ass with academic uh, analysis, you know, right? Uh, and, and then he goes on to say also, like, if that is right, then if if
1: it's all just vibes and people are unfairly blaming Biden for the bad economy, then that means you shouldn't run Biden. Because uh, he says if if that part of the debate is right, the consequences for Mr. Biden are pretty bleak in this view. The economy ought to be helping him, but instead it will presumably be a major drag uh, which is, yeah, d- that's a case to not run Biden, but will Stansel thinks of himself as on the front line of <laughs> completely changing the entire wor- nation's view of the economy because so many journalists reside on Twitter and him sticking to this line will get them to change their minds and their coverage ever so slightly. And that will lead to, uh, everyone in America to, to, you know, take, put on the, um, put on the they live goggles and see that the economy is actually really good
0: uh right this is really similar to the arguments that um fucking canceling comedians while the world burns type shit makes where like if you if you're someone who believes in that shit that's also a vibes argument and if you're arguing that there's this massive like fucking wave of vibe that is the real culprit here and the problem and the cause of all this stuff, then aren't you, sa- like, isn't it impossible to stand and try to push back the fucking ocean like that? Like, that's not a good way of go- characterizing a thing like that It kind of defeats your own point because then you go, well, okay, well then that's impossible to fucking change, you know?
1: Yeah, right. And it's also, like, it comes down to differing views of, of what the economy is what a good economy is uh and you know i think I, I think
0: it also it's kind of narcissistic because it's like that person's implying that there's some kind of fucking wizard that's like they're gonna do it you know if they explain their ideas well enough they're gonna end cancel culture or they're gonna end russian propaganda or whatever uh-huh. it's like not gonna happen yeah go th- ahead sorry
1: no i mean the uh i think like he um uh, I think he gets sort of befuddled and a lot of liberals do by Marxists because it's frustrating if you're if you're talking in this term, in these terms about what a good economy is, because to us, it's never going to be a good economy. And that's because of the the power dynamic. Right. It's 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 set in the structure of capitalism is is the thing we don't like. So at, at the end of the day, we're still always going to have a problem with that, even if there's good growth level. I mean, a growth is you don't even have to be a, a Marxist to. See that as a, a as a red herring, but but you know wages going up and other stuff. Uh, we're always going to have a problem with the capitalist system. Um, but e- even if you're a liberal, uh, why would you then support someone like Elizabeth Warren? And this is people got into him uh, with it, uh, with him about this this point because he supported Warren in 2019, whose main uh, plank was the economy is bad; it needs to be. Restructured, So it was 2019. And, and he still says 2019 was a good economy because all those sort of indicators, those Wall Street Dow Jones indicators were on the yeah. up. And it's just it's such a we live in such a massive country and the working class is such a massive strata that uh, that's that's you know, there's there's such a wide array of different experiences. Uh, but overall, people are pretty unhappy uh, with their economic lives. And they just are almost always going to be (laughs) under capitalism. I mean, you have social safety nets, um, that at various times have, have helped people, but, uh, people just, you know, working people don't like working shitty jobs. It's just
0: always going to be the case. Um, it's weird though, because he's arguing that, uh, no, people aren't actually unhappy. Like Mm -hmm. things are good and but he's he's arguing with people and so it's like one of those things where you're like well i'm a person to yeah. like don't uh, d- doesn't the fact that i disagree with you mean that you're like not right about what you're talking about you know yeah. or at least on some level and he like he said something today it was like i had to fucking pull myself away from the keyboards i'm like this is a dumb thing to do with your time like don't get sucked into this but you know there's that like uh kind of meme now of uh like a hundred dollars worth of groceries Mm -hmm. people will take pictures of their grocery order and be like this is a hundred dollars eat the booty like a hundred dollars worth of groceries sorry that's (laughs) a joke i made on the internet a while back um but like he he was talking about it he was saying oh yeah sure the price of groceries may be up but uh the but wages are up like people are making more money uh you know so that somehow defeats the idea that like People are unhappy with the price of their groceries. It's like, clearly they are. Otherwise, that wouldn't be a fucking meme. Right. But also, like, whose wages, motherfucker? Because, like, whenever people talk about... You see this in comedy all the time, too. Like, whenever people talk about, like, wages and stuff like that, it's like, I've never gotten a salary in my fucking life. The cost of, you know, the, the work that I do has remained static forever. So, you were talking about this from some sort of, like, some sort of white-collar place, if you're even if you're even engaging in that sort of thing and uh that's not the fucking people who are affected by this shit i mean they're affected also but like talk to a r- actual person for once in your fucking life we're not happy <laughs> you know things cost you fucking much um another thing that he got he was going off about the other day that really made me laugh was uh th- everything was centering around big Macs for some oh, reason yeah. He was talking about how expensive Big Macs are, and how, as he sees it, it's because of the uh, increase in the minimum wage, which is like there's been a paltry increase in the minimum wage, man. It's still like r- proportionally fucking terrible. Um, but that's like a that's a conservative argument. Yeah. That's not even like a fucking lib thing. Right. <laughs> the 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 the. Pay, the, the you, the worker doesn't take the money that you hand them home at night, it goes into the cash register. So, paying them more doesn't fucking increase the fucking cost of burgers, it doesn't make any fucking sense,
1: right? It's, it's, yeah, it's doing the Republican argument, except he's like, and we should be happy that we're paying more for a Big Mac because <coughs> it means that this worker is getting more money, which it, it doesn't have to at all. Um, yeah, that's another like the inflation is one thing where he will admit that yes, that has people have an adverse reaction to inflation, um, which I think explains a lot of his, his argument. Uh, And, you know, a lot of this stuff could be solved if, if Biden took uh, a harder hand with the capitalist class and actually tamed inflation the way Nixon did, which is like threatening price controls, uh, which you can, you can do and should be part of the conversation. Um, But Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, to go back to the fashions debate because I don't want to like, let him get away with saying people don't support their arguments. Uh, like materialism does not just mean, um, economic, right. That means a lot of different things. Right. Uh, but you know, and, and as he got on my case, because I was saying like, well, everything comes from material conditions, any historical phenomenon, you can't, uh, separate that from the situation, the historical situation. You can't just like pluck things out of history and look at them in isolation. And then eventually he kind of says that, and it wasn't just me, obviously, but he eventually says, okay, yeah, uh, obvious, you know, fascism does have some contingency with the, the time and place that it, that it happens. But it's it's a psychological phenomenon, which is just he's basically recanting the thing he said earlier, which is that it's only psychology (laughs) and that it's reactionary or whatever to look at, um, to look at, quote unquote, materialism or economics, uh, because there are all these different periods and places in which fascism has arose. uh, But then basically admits that, okay, fine, it is also material conditions, which nobody has said that it's not psychological. Or that it's like, you're poor means you automatically become a fascist. That is not the argument. He just refuses to engage with it. and also has this, this this ahistorical view of what fascism is. I saw him tweeting about, um, he's, he said, well, fascism isn't really right or left. It has parts of both. Which any scholar, any historian <laughs> of fascism will tell you that it, the prime example, Nazi Germany right the Nazi party began as a, a way to suppress the left it is fundamentally and <sighs> always it's its hard it can be hard to define like any political phenomena but it is just always a right wing thing right it's not
0: yeah I mean it, it's the, the, this is why he's so fucking frustrating to argue with and, and libs in general I mean this is like also logic that he didn't fucking make up a million people have said this shit but like you know <sighs> It's you have to discuss at some point how like there are tools of the socialist movement that went into fascism, sure, but like the the immediate project of fascism was like you said to suppress the left, and like if we don't have a political compass where you can define left and right, then like don't use these terms because they'll be conflating different ideas in, in the minds of different people that fucking use them. Um, I the the thing that this I he sucks but Americans in general in politics that aren't marxists i think kind of fall victim to this conflating of the entire political compass on like almost like a two dimensional level it's got four quadrants and it's not a perfect metric by any means you know but like at least the, when we talk about it we we know what you mean when you say bottom left or top right or whatever like that i think he's doing a thing that lots of people do where they um they equate fascism and authoritarianism, mm-hmm. and they say that's right wing, is authoritarianism. And we're over here on the left wing because we don't have this specific style of authoritarianism that existed in, uh, you know, in, in certain Marxist-Leninist states and also in, like, Nazi Germany. And that's stupid because there is left-wing authoritarianism. That's what Marxist-Leninist shit is. Um, and also, we do have authoritarianism. We just have a weird market-based version of it that is, you know, not – it's not uh, behind one fucking strongman. It's behind, like, boards of directors and shit like that. Um I think that a lot of Americans don't really understand fascism. I don't even know why I'm saying Americans. It's probably just fucking people at this point. Um, but I'm I'm reading the Devil's Chessboard right now, uh, not the Devil's Cheeseboard. Don't get that book. That's a different book. It's a cookbook, uh, and it's great. But <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. It's not real. Oh, um, yeah. but the don't write it down, Anders. It's not a real book. <laughs> I was doing a goof. Um, but like the the first few chapters of the devil's chessboard are really good for understanding this because the big factor that people kind of like Like don't in order to come up with a Will Stansel definition of fascism, where you're like it's a phenomenon, it's where you're racist against a scapegoat and you have a strongman, which is I think is how he defined it. Like just those two fucking things, you leave out the third big linchpin, which is economic. It is material, and that book goes over how like a lot of the uh, the big companies that that Hitler made. You know, common cause with and made pact with that, like, ran the concentration camps and stuff like that, had run by big capitalist interests here in America, mm-hmm. you know? And the formation of that specific style of authoritarian government was in service to those big capitalist interests. That's why it was so hell bent on suppressing the left, because the left, the goal of the left was to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to nationalize those companies and stuff like that, to take the power away from these big fucking, you know, twentieth century, like what do you call it, the robber baron type uh-huh. people and stuff like that. And like the, I think this is a Lenin quote. I don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. Well, yell yeah, at me in the Discord. I might be wrong, but I, I remember reading this, and I, th- I think Lenin said this. Uh, the way I like to explain it to people is, um, he said. Fascism is the iron ring that holds together the rotting barrel of capitalism. Ooh, you know, like you had capitalism in crisis in Germany, and and then you had this fucking guy going crazy and making authoritarian government. And when those things make common cause, that's how you get like the worst parts of a state being in service to the market. There's you cannot call that left wing. Mm-hmm. The left wing would be against that. You know, right. um, but but someone like Will Stansel like, no, no, no fascism is when the guy wears a hat and he's like really racist (laughs) or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. And it is, there's just such a wealth of literature and history there that he's just kind of like, and it would be one thing if he was like, please show me, uh, what I can learn about this. Uh, you know, maybe Federico Finkelstein, read, uh, let, let me read a book. Uh, but the, the thing I responded with, which I think is, uh, Important, uh, I mean, a good illustration of, of histi- fascism as a historical tendency as it arose in in the 20th century. Literally, the first line of the first they came for, first they came for, is first they came for the socialists. So yeah. this isn't like, first they came for the socialists, and then we're like, you know what? We're actually socialists now, but we're also anti-Semites. <laughs> um, one last stencil ism that made me furious, uh, and I think is a good illustration Of this is when he's like, um, and again, sometimes he'll say things that aren't wrong. It's just the way he's framing it is at once extremely condescending and very blinkered. So he was talking about unions and he's like, I don't know why people associate unions with the left. Most union members aren't that aggressive. And then (laughs) I remember this. Yeah. And then someone responded to him and was like, did their usual read a fucking book, please? And he was like, am I wrong? Like, why why are all these unions endorsing more moderate Democrats? And again, another thing people in the socialist movement have discussed at length for decades and been figuring out and are completely aware of, uh, he's just saying as if we just have never considered this. Um, but the reason, you know, and if, if Will, you're listening, I'm sorry uh, for, for being mean, but uh, the, the reason it Don't apologize I, to him, I just I feel bad when uh, something feels like bullying um, wh- when people go in on him on, on too hard. I try to actually address the things he's saying when I
0: do uh, no, bullying is a power dynamic oriented thing where if you're bullying will stancil you you can't bully him he's our bully he's yeah i mean he's in the he he is
1: punching he is punching left and and he sees himself as yeah the the he i mean i mean he worries about if he's bullying because his arguments are so good and we're all all so confused but um (laughs) but like the reason the reason we pay attention to unions and think unions are important isn't because isn't for some like moral reason or something. It's because the point of production is a central piece of capitalism. And that's the leverage that the working class has. And the closest thing we have to actually achieving that right now is through trade unions. Um, like that's how you harness the, that, that fucking point of production and leverage it as a, as a political tool is through the working class and organized labor. Like that's why, well, it's not, it's not for whatever specious reason that just like, and that's what, that's what drives me crazy is would be one thing. If he's like, why do people think this? Instead? He's just like, I don't get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well then that's why it's like, read a fucking book. You know, it's just what he's doing is so similar to what like 4chan trolls kind of have done classically where they like design shit to post that you like can't resist interacting with that's on purpose kind of stupid or willfully you know misspoken so that you have to re- respond a certain way and like I don't know I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist I don't believe he was made in a lab to do this but I think the effective outcome of it is that it's just a fucking waste of everyone's time yeah. <laughs> that there's someone this publicly saying all this shit He's just a fucking dumbass. It doesn't matter. Who cares?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is also like, but the thing is like, I don't don't know. I've had a few interactions in my life recently. Like I've (laughs) met somebody who works for the Democrats and they were like this in real life and they were a real live three dimensional person and thought all these things. So, you know, it's I'm joking when I say op because it's like, no, this is just what our fucking one of our class enemies thinks like
1: right. <laughs> you it's, know, it's like Bill Maher in the sense that he embodies American liberalism, um, for all its contradictions and and lays it bare. And it's it's just frustrating because he speaks for a lot of a, a small section of the population, but a, a, like a prominent one in in politics.
0: Um, yeah, and that, it's that's really what's so disturbing is because you know I think it's like fun for. For leftists, you know, to like mm. have our little meme discords and make jokes about how they're like, they're the ruling class is like, you know, lizards and the Illuminati and they're evil and they wear robes and do a sacrifice and yeah. you know they fucking hate us and we need to uh, storm the Capitol on January sixth next year, um, but. In reality, like they they think they're the good guys and they just have like a warped philosophy that rationalizes and papers over all these obvious contradictions and stuff. And uh they believe all this stuff, you know? They believe that a rising tide will lift all boats and it's they're trapped in, in ideology, you know? They don't understand that we're talking about the inherent relation of worker to boss. They think that we're they think that we want higher wages, uh-huh. you know, which is like We do want higher wages, but uh, not only higher wages, you know? uh, Well. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I was – I can't – I have to stop myself from talking about Will I was going to pivot. Let's get the fuck out of Will Stantel territory. (laughs) We'll be here forever. He doesn't think that you should nationalize burgers. (laughs) That would be a great thing to nationalize their food. They fuel the human body. Yeah. What is the point of society if not to eventually make shit like food free? What is the point, Will? That's a good
1: question. Well, someone who certainly would not agree with with nationalizing uh, burgers is Ackman. Bill Ackman. Have you heard about this guy? You hear about this? Pac-man. Uh, sounds like Pac-man. Ackman, uh, who is a financier that is on the Harvard board and is trying to is successful in pushing out president
0: gay, um, who we talked about on the show, no, not just move right past that without making a joke. Everyone be mature. Yes.
1: I just, I mean, it's not very off. I, yeah, we don't do jokes about the word, that word anymore because we're, uh, adults, uh, woke people, but, uh, it is just the president gay, um, sounds funny to me. And I'm going to continue to, to describe, <laughs> Claudine Gay in that way with her official title as she deserves. Um, but she went before Congress and uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Like she, she was asked about anti-Semitic behavior and remarks and stuff and um, basically responded. It seemed like a liability thing that she had to respond in a very particular way. Cause she's getting it from all sides
0: on a legal level. Um, so she, President Gay is getting it on all sides, folks.
1: (laughs) Um, but she was we you know, was asked about like, what about an anti-Semitic phrase like from the river to the sea? And she gave a very like technical free speech oriented, um, answer. And what I think, obviously I'm biased, but I really do think that it would have been far more effective to just say that term is not anti-semitic and here's why and have the the literature right there and you know because these congress people they don't actually know the history they're just repeating what they're told um so i mean that would have she would have taken heat for that no doubt but i don't i think she would have had a better chance at keeping her job if she just like and didn't necessarily if she were to say like maybe that's not my term but the people who say it uh they're not anti-semitic because of the history of the term, which is just a call for freedom it's not a call for genocide uh,
0: it's also did you know this it's in response to the uh, one of the original founding documents of Israel saying that they would rule from the river to the sea right. yeah so if you if you can accuse the Palestinian phrase of that, you certainly can accuse the the one that says rule from the f- river to the sea of being genocidal, you know right
1: Um, but it has since come out that she, uh, plagiarized, um, part of her, her work as an academic and, uh, this has been interesting. I mean, it it raises some questions about, about plagiarism. Um, there's an article from the guardian read, which like it basically, says that a lot of this is kind of a judgment call based on different like style guides. And, uh, some of it does seem pretty egregious. Uh, but there's also something called, um, plagiarism fundamentalism, uh, which one of the the scholars who studies this stuff is, uh, you know, there's, there's differing views on what, what is and isn't plagiarism. And, uh, there's somebody from the Washington free beacon who's quoted there. Who is a professor uh, who says this isn't even close to an example of academic plagiarism. Other people are like uh, this is, you know, this is not, there's some stuff that's a little borderline. Um, but overall it's not that bad. Um, and you know, I think, AI plays uh, an interesting role in this because it is increasing the level of plagiarism on some level because, you know, you can just, you know, get AI to write an essay for you and ostensibly it writes a somewhat original essay, but uh, it's clearly going to be lifted and they're going to use stuff from text that already exist uh but it also makes it a lot easier to find plagiarism which uh, I think is probably how Chris Rufo did it and identified this um but back to but Ackman the guy who like pushed her out is now being um like his wife as it turns out and people may know this I'm sure many of our listeners do his wife it came out uh has technically plagiarized some stuff um, who's a uh, a scientist and uh, Oxman is her name. Apparently, she had a company that's just called Oxman, which makes me think of uh, Axman in Saint Paul, uh, which is like a, a shop where they just have like a bunch of random like
0: gears and things. Um, but. But yeah. Well, we got to storm it. We got to get nude and storm Axeman.
1: <laughs> you, yeah. You jump naked into a pile of like spiked,
0: you know, washers, <laughs> um, which is. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. You could finally die. <laughs> Stop thinking about Will right. uh
1: <clears throat> But, you know, I got to say, so I looked up the uh, Business Insider article where they expose Oxman for this. And I got to be honest, some of this does seem a bit rigorous and uh, a bit too rigorous, a bit too strict uh, because what she's doing in a couple cases is literally just doing the citation incorrectly according to the, the the style guide she's using. So she didn't use quotation marks in a couple places, but she did do parentheses this author this year, which seems like the intent is pretty clearly to make an attribution. Um, there are a couple other places where uh, it was a little more egregious but um, I think a lot of this comes down to uh, what the um, what yeah with the scholar I was talking about plagiarism fundamentalism um which is a uh, a term coined by Susan Bloom who is a professor of linguistic anthropology and uh, you know it, I wonder if she, came up with that term herself we'll have to we'll have to say someone we'll have to fact check that uh but she may say that um there is no such thing as like an original thought or concept and she even goes down to the uh the neurons um so she claims that uh you know the idea she says it, the this is in the guardian the idea that every i want to make sure i make my attributions uh the idea that every thought should be completely original runs counter to a human nature to mimic and that in her words we have these things called mirror neurons which allow oh i know about those they're yeah they sound interesting um they allow us to feel what other people are doing while they're doing them which sounds to me like empathy which is a good thing that we have uh and there's a continuum between originality and complete copying and language and culture lies somewhere in the middle,
0: um, ooh, that, there's a lot going on in that. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting that you would bring up mirror neurons in uh, in defense of, of this of, of well not of plagiarism or of saying that it's not plagiarism, I guess. Um, so mirror neurons are—I uh, remember this from when I was a psychology student, long, long ass time ago. But uh, this—they were kind of a new idea uh, in in like biopsych and neuropsych and stuff like that in neuroscience rather, I guess. Um, and it was almost like if you were in like that field, something that you would, uh, you would say, you know, that's like, um, that's pop science. It's a little bit too popular. Everyone's trying to – they just discovered these things called neuro, mirror neurons and everyone's trying to use them to explain everything. And we're going to like work through this and eventually figure out that it's maybe not mm. this new huge thing. But it was very popular at the time because um, there was this guy, Vilaniya Ramachandran. I remember his fucking name. Yeah. This uh, scientist. <laughs>
1: neuron helped you remember that uh, that name?
0: mirror neurons i'm looking at myself in the mirror and i'm uh, <laughs> like a- doing a very uh, offensive <laughs> indian uh, t- <laughs> uh, anyway um so what he did is he gave a ted talk about this it was really interesting he had these uh patients who were amputees and they had phantom limb which is like where you're you, if you're missing your right arm it like hurts because the nerves are trying to send impulses down where there used to be an arm and then they're getting a wall and they don't know why. And you know, you would people who lost an arm or whatever would say like, Oh, it just feels like it's being crushed in a vice. Like it feels like, it feels like it's still there and it's in all this pain, you know? So what he did is he invented this thing called the mirror box where you sit down and you put like where your arm would be into like the end of it goes into a box. Right and it has a mirror at an angle that reflects the image of your other arm, which is resting on the other armrest. So your brain gets tricked into looking down and seeing the arm that isn't there, that's there. And it would rem- the pain went away instantly in these patients. Whoa. And they're like, Holy shit. Like, how did that happen? You know, the answer is mirror neurons because like it's, uh, you, you see your brain, like, you know, sees things and it mirrors them and stuff like that. Um, but what's interesting about that is that not to get too sidetracked into mirror neurons, but, like, uh, that's actually kind of not... A, it's a, it's too quick of a fix, and, like, you can't keep a mirror box on you at all times or whatever. So, like, th- they kind of came around and were like, this is actually kind of bad because you do eventually have to train your brain to understand that there's not an arm there. Right. Um, But that was one example of them, and, like, a lot of other ones were just, like, um that, like, if, if you... If you put another person in front of a person and like you, you know, that person touches, the person you're looking at touches their arm, the part of your brain that is wired towards your arm will kind of light up a little bit because it understands a human body. Mm. And so, uh, you know, you see someone like get hurt in a movie and you wince a little bit. That's kind of what's going on there because we're a social creatures were like able to project, you know. Um this is also kind of I think what's going on in like pornography where you watch it and your brain is like that's me, you know, <laughs> which is it's not. Um that's <laughs> really interesting on a biological level that she would kind of connect plagiarism to to that because like on some level, you know, everything that we do as humans is communal and I think that what she's getting at is that it's warped through the individuating nature of everything we've built in society thus far. Mainly, you know, how like the the thing to look at it through right now would be capitalism. But like, if you remember when we had Steve Albini on the show, he talked about this. He kind of got at this in terms of intellectual property because there was all those arguments uh, about what was happening with like Spotify at the time. And like, you know, I think that the reason that arguing about plagiarism is imperfect and will be forever. She's kind of getting at the answer here, which is that like, it's, it's a farce. It's not actually real. It's a thing that we, we insist is real in order to create intellectual property as a concept. Mm. But, you know, music is a good example. Music is not original. Whenever you listen to someone play a C chord, they didn't invent the C chord when they play it. Right, they're using a thing that's already been thought of, and uh, you know it's it's in a library of information that we call we call it creativity when you take parts out of that library and rearrange them in an in, in uh, original way or whatever. But like on some level, all if we didn't have capitalism, we wouldn't have the need to argue that there's a line where something becomes originality, you know? And like, this happens with like jokes too, where it's like, on some level, we're all kind of riffing on the same ideas as a community, as comics, you know? And that's why like overlap happens Mm -hmm. and like parallel writing and stuff. And when you get into a fight with another comic and you're like, you stole my joke. Don't you feel like you're kind of in like the 1920s or something, (laughs) you know, like you're a cat skills guy and you're like, give me $10 for that. That's my joke. It's fucking stupid. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like on the one hand I'm 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 just a neurotic person so I'm always like worried about like oh is that joke too similar to someone else's but then when I see people like complaining about it on Facebook it immediately even if it's like a legit thing it always just seems ridiculous and some of them are genuinely like insane like people have these elaborate ass scenarios for how they think their joke got stolen sometimes from people who weren't even ever in the same room as them and just happen to come up with the same bit uh i don't want to i really want to get specific here but i, I don't want to <laughs> i don't want anyone to to know that i'm casting aspersions on them but
0: uh but yeah even in like i came up with soup town salad town <laughs> in 1995 <laughs> um i would love <laughs> that if someone actually thought of that same but like what's interesting about comics arguing about jokes like that is like i think that the thing hanging in the air that nobody really even thinks about is like why does it even matter that someone if someone stole a joke you know what i mean the 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 only reason it would matter is because we're trying to sell these things but like in a world free of fucking money where you didn't have to be an entrepreneur to make jokes jokes would be like communal the way they were before stand up existed you mm. know before like we sold them No one ever goes like, I invented, how did the chicken cross the road? Give me $5. You know what I mean? That's just a joke people tell.
1: I mean, I have to think about that because I definitely like, yeah, jokes like that, like old street jokes and stuff that there's a beauty in that in like the the aristocrats and people having their own variations of it. But it is kind of just always understood that like, this is is a collective project, this joke. Whereas like, I, I think if I, and I'm trying to think if we lived in a, under communism, I mean, we'd all be completely different. So maybe I, I wouldn't feel this way, but like, it, I just, if I saw somebody who I knew stole Soup Town, Salad Town, for instance, I would probably be <laughs> mad about it. And I'd, I wouldn't know what to do because anyone who lo- who posts on Facebook about that looks like a crank immediately.
0: Um, we'd have to re-educate you, I think, because yeah. you'd, you, you'd be turning into a capitalist in real time yeah. over Soup Town, Salad Town. Yeah. We have to, you go to the gulags. I'm sorry, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, music, like, you know, songs used to be like, if you like listen to old country songs, mm-hmm. there's like a million different versions of every song because people were just passing them around, you know? Right. I'm not saying in communism we'd all be uh, harmonious blobs of glowing light and beep, boop, boop stuff would be happening all the time and no one would ever have property in that sense or whatever. But like, I think things would tend in that direction. I think the reason that, that we think about things so individuate uh, hyper individuated is, uh, you know, it's because of material reality will.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but even for something like academia, it is where, you know, novel insights are, like there's like a premium on that, and everybody wants to have like the most original paper, which is what I think maybe the new scandal soon is going to be who's not plagiarizing but just like writing papers that they don't actually believe in and are just trying to be like contrarian. Um, you know, maybe someone will be exposed as that. Uh, certainly, there are certainly uh, journalists and writers who are like that. Not necessarily, I don't, I'm sure there are academics too, but. Um, but this really does come down to in President Gay's case, this is, I think, pretty pretty clearly like a, a political targeting thing. Like she's mm-hmm. um, a, a black woman and uh, they, you know, is has done, quote, uh, from The Guardian attributing uh, social justice focused scholarship um, and people like Rufo and Ackman, who is now a big like anti- uh, like he's, he's cr- doing a lot of boys cry, boy crying wolf with, with, uh, anti-Semitism quote unquote, which he attributes every, you know, everything that is critical of Israel. He, he calls anti-Semitism. He says that, uh, at Harvard, there were campus groups that were calling for genocide and all this stuff. Um, so they, there's a, definitely a political agenda there that got president gay, Dislodged, uh, but uh, it's interesting now that his his wife has been nailed. I guess with the same standard, more or less, which I think is a bit of a silly standard because, again, this is an issue of uh, it. It seems like I mean, and there are a couple examples in the Business Insider that are more a little more cut and dry, but for the most part, this is like a style guide thing, and the intent is to make an attribution, uh, which is, I believe for a lot of the the things president gay was was nabbed with is it's a similar thing the intent was there to to attribute it's just they didn't use quotation marks in the right place um but uh a lot of this to psychoanalyze for a second here on ackman um it came out this weekend that he has a daughter who went to harvard who is a marxist and wrote a thesis in 2019 called no way out the concept of reification in Western Marxist thought. Um, and some like social media posts came out about her that she was like, uh, she had a a post, I think on Facebook where she's like, Hey, the cliche is true. You go to Harvard and become a Marxist. And she had a Das Kapital cake for her birthday or for her graduation. I think, um, so I think he's got maybe a personal uh, bugbear there, um, which yeah, it uh, I, I do kind of want to get my hands on this uh, this thesis. If anyone has Eloise Ackman, um, her undergrad thesis on on reification, I would love to to read that. But uh, it is kind of funny to have like anti woke billionaire owned by own daughter. Like he's he's lashing out against Harvard, literally radicalized. His daughter which is not the case she's cool uh because she is the minority i would think for harvard uh not a lot of marxists there um yeah but maybe he's he's reacting to that on some level um but yeah if you have if you have access anybody please please send that uh i would love to read it on a on a textual level um and that i guess maybe that raises some questions about and we're talking about ethics and art and uh thinking and writing today um, maybe, and, and, podcasting, maybe that rises, raises some questions. Maybe we shouldn't dox her and talk about her work, but, uh, it is, I think relevant here, um, that she's, I don't know. I, I don't think she's been disowned by him. I, I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, but maybe that's her business, uh, which leads me to another topic. I wanted to discuss today on this sort of theme is the movie made December.
0: There's a vague thread through all this. I can see it.
1: Um, If anyone hasn't seen this, Todd Haynes, director, uh, directed Far From Heaven. um, He has a new movie out on Netflix starring Julianne Moore that is loosely, and I emphasize loosely, based on the case of Mary Kay Letourneau, who, if we have younger listeners, was a teacher in the 1990s who had an affair with her students um he was like 12 or 13 at the time and she went to jail for child rape and came out and then they had a family when she got out and he was legal um and they had kids they she was impregnated by him when he was 13 i guess we should have thrown a trigger warning in here if um you're disturbed by this sorry but uh his name is Villy, the real life guy and he talked to hollywood reporter past week or so and said that he is very unhappy with May, December as a movie. um, And
0: that can't imagine
1: why. (laughs) uh, (laughs) And that they didn't reach out to him. And if they had, in his words, they would have made a masterpiece (laughs)
0: that's that's really funny I mean being mad that they made the movie I could see like that's that seems like the normal reaction it's like kind of embarrassing or whatever but being like no let me make it (laughs) so much funnier a masterpiece (laughs) I mean
1: maybe he would have gone French with it and been like yeah this is good and it was true love and there's a there's a movie spoiler alert if you're if you haven't seen Louis Maul's Murmur of the Heart uh, fast forward um, but it's a, I haven't seen it. Okay. Is it right if I ruin it for you?
0: Yeah. I haven't even heard of that. I mean,
1: the, the reason it's famous is because of what I'm about to tell you, which is about, a, it's about a kid who has intercourse with his mom. Um, okay. He's a heart murmur and they grow really close. I,
0: we cut to like later tonight, I've got a bowl of popcorn and I'm sitting in my home theater and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> the movie's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> the big twist is ruined. Uh but
1: uh, maybe so maybe Billy wanted to make a movie that's that's totally like defending Mary Kay uh, because they she died in, in 2020. Um,
0: oh, but, I don't know. that.
1: Yeah, but uh, and now he's in another relationship. Um, but it seems like, you know, they had a happy life. But uh, May, December does. And. Uh, maybe this is the ethical thing to do. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't have an oh. obligation, but it, it, by the end, spoiler alert, it kind of, it basically suggests that uh, this was the wrong, this was, this was wrong Uh, for an adult woman to have sex with a child. Uh, <laughs> she should have done it. Um, Bold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that there's a whole nother discussion about camp and, and this, you, you saw the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, he there's these kind of silly moments that are like melodramatic, which is harkens back to Todd Haynes' inspiration, uh, his influence. Um, and this,
0: when I saw that it was a comedy, because it's technically a comedy, which is like there's a whole other discourse around mm-hmm. that uh, when it came out, like, is that a comedy? Can you call it a comedy? And it, when I saw it was a comedy, it was directed by... Uh, this director, his first name is Todd. Todd I thought Todd Haynes. I thought it was Todd Phillips, the guy who made Joker. Uh, <laughs> I, I expected a way different movie.
1: <laughs> oh, that would have been, they, they should have thrown Joker in there. That would have been
0: an interesting dynamic. This could be a, another Joker origin story yeah. is that um, he fucked his teacher or whatever. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, oh, and that's Harley Quinn.
1: Oh, it works. Oh, Let's make it.
0: There you go. I'm going to make it. I'm going to pitch the script. <laughs>
1: But it, it's, it's interesting because there's really, to me anyway, there were a couple of just key moments throughout the movie that made it comedic and made it camp. Uh, and a lot of it was the score, which is just like this over the top, like melodramatic score. And that's his influence. Haynes' influence is melodrama from like the 50s, like Douglas Sirk, which uh, interesting. is like so ridiculously over the top like it, he was going for like tearjerker and it was effective in the 50s but it does not hold up at all and it's just like, <laughs> it's weird yeah, yeah it's cartoonishly ridiculous um but that's what he's kind of going for in a more subtle way Uh but it has those little hints of that um and that's kind of what he what he created but uh and that you know that and that goes back to inspiration plagiarism right he's that's that's how he kind of formed his his directorial palette uh was through you know make, almost satirizing this thing um but Villy, um and i can kind of understand why he feels this way because the character that's an analog for him um m- my interpretation anyway is that he's kind of like emotionally stunted uh like he, yeah he, for he sure comes off as just a little dim and dull and and that's not the real life Villy. Uh, the the reason, in large part, he was able to. I mean, I don't want to say he, he <laughs> seduced
0: her or she seduced him, but uh, what no, a thirteen year old kid had to have Riz. I to, mean, you know,
1: that's what they said in court. I,
0: in court, that was their well, defense. Well, I, I, I mean, we were all 13 years old at one point. You make jokes about that shit all oh, the time. Yeah. You know, of course, it does. I mean, in, in retrospect, like that shouldn't happen, you know, and that is like inherently a power imbalance. And that's why it's uh, a crime, you know, and it's like bad. But like, you know, there's a reason that people like joke about it. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> that I'm sure he was a charismatic person.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and that that I don't think is totally um, reflected in May December, but I also believe it doesn't have to be um, because it's it's well, not a it's not a documentary. Isn't that they're not they're literally not making it about you? I mean, you're you're the inspiration, but this is a, a fictional rendering of something.
0: Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what May December is about, just to like kind of encapsulate it real quick. So it's it's a movie that's about uh the Mary Kay Laterno uh you know the people who it's loosely based on that case, but within the movie there are there's an actress who is hanging out with that couple who is studying cuz she's going to play the Mary Kay letourneau character in a movie within the movie yeah. right so it's got three meta levels there's the re- the real thing then this film which is about the real thing and then the film in the film which is about the case that they made up in the movie and it's so it's clever because it's um you can be distracted by the extreme subject matter of the film into thinking that it's about that, but a very uh, heavy handed argument could be made that it's actually about acting. And it's it's about all these questions that we're talking about, um, the ethics of storytelling and stuff like that, when you have to use someone's life as... Uh, you know, as, as the inspiration and as like the subject matter and the fact that it had a real a, a ripple in reality where someone, it did evoke kind of a response that maybe it was even, you know, provoking or whatever, where someone, someone that was, you know, used as source material for the film said these things is kind of fascinating and endlessly mind bending, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think that what he's saying Kind of, it, This does relate to plagiarism and to, to art and stuff in the way we were talking about. And the first thing that made me realize or maybe think about rather was um, this thing that happened to Sarah Silverman in like the aughts mm. or that maybe even the 90s, which is that she got in trouble for making um, an edgy joke about uh, Asian people. I think specifically something with China. Yeah. Um, and there was like, was like an international conflict. Cause she's an edgy comic. That's what she did. Right. Um, before she was a, a fucking Zionist and et cetera. And now we all hate her or whatever. That was like what she was known for. And she was an alt comic and everybody liked her. Right. Um, but there was, I remember watching, I can't remember what fucking late night show. It was, it was uh, on, but Bill there was, it like was rep-
1: politically incorrect with, uh, Bill Maher. And, uh, yeah, she was talking to Guy Aoki. I don't know why I remember this.
0: Who yeah, what the fuck? Why do you remember that? Cool man, um, guy Aoki. Is that uh, any relation to Steve Aoki?
1: Perhaps. Let me look that up.
0: Wait, no, I, uh, he's his father is the Benihana guy. Oh. I think. Okay. Anyway, um, wait, who is Guy Aoki?
1: He's uh, the an Asian American uh, civil rights activist.
0: Okay, well, this might not be the same fucking. Thing because I what I remember is there was someone from the Chinese government, and uh, well, you know what, this is a million year old memory. Maybe <laughs> I'm just remembering, mashing up a few things, but uh, the implication of what the person talking about her was was getting at was they were saying, uh, in, in what you should do, what we do in our country, which is um, that you should comedians should have to submit their material to the government, which is a thing that Yakov Smirnoff talked about, which is you know. Part of his whole thing when he defected from the Soviet Union is he was like, we had to submit our material to the government. And now in America, everything's so great. I'm so free here in America. That was his whole fucking shtick. Um, That like the the, what this with the guy, the real life guy from A December is kind of saying is he's implying something similar, which is not like a state argument. But he's just saying, oh, you should like there should be like oversight for creativity. Mm. Um, you should, there should be a mechanism in place where you have to, okay, this sort of shit and you aren't allowed to just freely do whatever is potentially possible, you know? And, uh, I don't feel that way, but I, I think it's interesting that on some level someone does, because we just, we're, we like, love content, you know, we just make tons and tons of content. And there are these ethical questions that come up sometimes, you know, sometimes when you're like on the subway or in traffic or something, and you take a picture of someone with your phone, people will be like, don't do that, right? And you're like, well, am I allowed to or not? You know, Mm -hmm. is, is this bad? Is it not, is it illegal? You know, is that part of it? Um, yeah, it's the, I think we we worship the fucking thresher of content so much that this like we push the lines and they, the 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 boundaries of this do exist somewhere <laughs> where it becomes immoral, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's very hard to to figure out and and I don't want to be someone who who says like there's no ethical ramifications or or responsibility for
0: well, the people that say that are edgelord comics who always contradict themselves. As soon as someone is mean to them, they go like, how could you do this or whatever? And you go, okay, well clearly you overstepped your own line at some point. So the line exists somewhere between the thing that hurt your feelings and the thing where you were hurting somebody else's.
1: Right. Um, but it can be, and I feel it's very, uh, it can be very case by case and, and you know, divulging things that are, I mean, this came out, I guess it's related. And um, I feel like we definitely talked about the Hassan Minhaj scandal when it broke. I forget, I don't know if we did a follow up on, uh, maybe we did, when he did his own YouTube video just from his account, just going through the New Yorker profile and saying what parts were were inaccurate. Um, and he made it a very strong case that he had in fact changed the character's name was the girl who uh, I don't, I don't even know stood him up to prom or I don't know. I don't even, there's so many uh, that story has been, been relegated so many times. I don't, I can't say with confidence what exactly happened, but, uh, but he was very adamant that I know I did the, my due diligence as a writer and a performer to protect this, this person's identity. Um, so I think you have to, to do that, uh, if you're, if it's somebody in a, in a sensitive position who doesn't volunteer for you to like use their name or share who they are. But if it's somebody who's already a public figure, um, then their name is just kind of already out there in the ether or their, I, I mean, in this case, it isn't even the name. It's the story of what happened to, to Billy in this case. Um, so like actually, Um, exploring that is something that's going to happen with or without Todd Haynes. And it's, it's sucks on an individual level that Billy will always be remembered as the kid who fucked his teacher. Um, but like, I don't know, you have a chance if you want, you can try and make your own movie. It's easier said than done to do that. Maybe it's, he can't get, uh, funding, but if, if he wants to make that movie, I would watch it. They might have to only release it in France, but I would tune in. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it would be awesome if he made his own movie in response to this movie and it just increased the meta nature yeah. of it. Yeah. You know?
1: Oh yeah. It could be about him like trying to call Todd Haynes and he's just like your <laughs> phone going to voicemail while he's playing with dart Barbie dolls on the other line. Um, that's another, yeah, I guess adding to the meta of this, uh, uh, Todd Haynes made a, tried to make a biopic about, I think it was Karen Carpenter Um, and he couldn't get the rights to do it. Uh, so he did, uh, he, he, it was on a really specific legal technicality. He had to make it with Barbie dolls. Um, so he did the bio with bio, with, (laughs) uh, with Barbie dolls. So we wouldn't get, uh, sued.
0: And that's not the Barbie movie.
1: I guess. I mean, I, I should have, uh, I didn't expect to be talking about this, but, uh, so basically, uh, da, 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 da. he
0: sued for. That's
1: it? Uh, yeah. Well,
0: I was joking. Okay. We watched the Barbie movie and talked about. Oh, that it.
1: Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he made his own Barbie uh, movie in the '80s. That was about Karen Carpenter, and they were like, "You can't do a live." He did it because he couldn't do a live-action one.
0: That's interesting. Oh yeah. <sighs> man. Okay. Well, I'm gonna ask Will Stancil what he thinks about that. Yeah. I'm going to say, well, instead of read a book, I'm going to say, watch a movie.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, or listen to a joke. Uh, we have this, this caps it out. This is super meta today because we had a, uh, incident that went viral. There's a guy fired who is a reporter for WHYY in Philadelphia. Um, NPR affiliate. And he's also a comedian and, I remember when I started comedy, people, I remember thinking like, I guess, you know, and sorry, mom, if you're, you're listening, but I'm like, I guess I can't actually get a serious job uh, because there's going to be maybe jokes that I do out there that are, that are off color.
0: Um, I think about that all the time. Cause I'm unhireable yeah. in like a professional way at this point, unless I don't know. I mean, there's probably ways around that, but as like a, uh, there are a lot of, Barriers that you create by being a public person right. now and there are like, you know, there's this thing where like people like lock their social media accounts when they're applying for jobs and stuff. And then later when they open them back up, they like lose them and shit. Uh. This is a reality that is oft unspoken, I think. And it's also why uh, people that use our real names, whether they have the initial J in the middle of them or not, <laughs> are kind. Um, uh, kind of, we're kind of a dying breed because th- this, like, what we're talking about, necessitated the rise of using a like an avatar and like a fake identity online. That's why everyone, you know, on Twitter is like an anime avatar and a weird name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, it's for a lot of it, it benefits in a lot of ways, but part of it is just because like you can't. This is why I like I respect people who have their fucking name out there because you're actually sacrificing something. F- to, to you know for the sake of some sort of authenticity or something like that and like there's way more on the line right. like people people are fucking cowards on the internet they hide behind a little thing and they say all oh, this shit or whatever say with your fucking mouth risk your professional livelihood
1: yeah yeah and that's what uh this guy i guess did and he's actually you know that barrier maybe will be broken down um because of unions uh so W H Y Y is a, a union shop. And so once he got fired, um, and you know, for jokes, like one of them, he says, uh, this, this lady asked my boss, she's like, yo, does Jad consider himself a person of color? Because she, and this, he's, um, uh, uh, Middle Eastern. Um, and yo, does dad consider himself a person of color? Because he was making, she was making a list of us, uh, sick. All right. I get to be in this lady's brown dude, Pokédex."
0: Um <laughs> I still I st- <laughs> I still have those from the last episode. I just wanted to punch one in there somewhere. Yeah. It seemed like a good place to put <laughs> it.
1: Uh and yeah, there's another one. It's like people say Muslims hate Jews. It's more accurate to say we're very afraid of them. Uh they've been kicking our ass for like 70 years. Uh so he gets sat down and is like shown all these posts and he gets fired. He loses his health insurance uh, immediately and he has uh, multiple sclerosis. So he's kind of fucked. And then um, as it turns out, because he is a member of SAG-AFTRA, you can't just terminate somebody without due process. So they sit down with, um, with the lawyers from the company has from Dwayne Morris, uh, and they're like, this is inflammatory and this is in vice, by the way, I'm very, I mean, I feel like I'm always pretty good about it, but I want to mention the, the source that I'm, I'm taking from, especially today. Um, but they're like, this, this violates WHYY's code of conduct, social media policy. And the arbitrator from the union says, well, I read this policy and, uh, it doesn't incorporate that it has to incorporate a, uh, reasonable standard, reasonable person standard. So workers must be vigilant not to post anything on social media that could conceivably interpret it as inflammatory, highly sensitive, uh, even by highly sensitive and thin-skinned individuals without an appreciation for satire. And the arbit- so then the arbitrator goes in depth with all nine examples they plucked out to get this guy axed. And uh, the on the the Pokedex joke, arbitrator says, this is a powerful condemnation in a funny way of what Sliman calls corporatized racial consciousness. And check, he gets, he gets away with that one. Uh, much of the clip is somewhat amusing. Another joke was simply funny. Um, and then this, this is kind of the funniest part of the article. The arbitrator does say uh, that one joke was insightful, principled, and serious, but not very funny.
0: wow this is like when uh like lenny bruce had to fucking go to court and he's like you're butchering my joke you know when they're reading it right
1: um but he got he got his job back uh and they have to reinstate him because of the the union contract and uh i think that's you know people are always uh, boomers will always say oh you millennials you zoomers you're, you're always posting this stuff online you don't know what's going to happen you can get fired for this shit and guess what uh not if we have unions and that's i don't think places like i mean when my dad worked at uh npr i believe it was union at the time but you know for a lot of media outlets this is a new era uh to have yeah. like a newsroom actually have this this buffer between you and the the, the boss yeah well
0: You know what this reminds me of a lot is uh, tattoos, right? Mm -hmm. Because like a a generation or two ago, like when I was uh, a young man, which I'm not anymore. um, (laughs) I'm 36, 15 years ago when I was first getting tattoos and stuff like that. You know, back then people, your elder generation would say, you're not going to be able to get a job like that. And they were right to some extent. But then you know what happened? everyone got tattoos yeah. of an entire generation and then it destroyed the fucking ability for that to be like a containable thing or a taboo. Mm-hmm. And now it's not a fucking problem anymore. And uh, that wouldn't have happened had not everyone fucking done that. And so, so on some level, like, you know, I was talking about earlier how there's everyone hides behind an avatar on the internet and there's this dying like idea of authenticity. I kind of think that there's an interesting interplay between all of this and stuff like uh, the fact that everyone has, is either a OnlyFans content creator or subscriber now, just openly, you know, and uh, how everything that's like it's unstoppable—that all of our personal worlds are becoming simultaneously public, but also destigmatized, and. I think that if you, I, 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 I'm I going to cast judgment here and say that if you're a person that hides behind an avatar, uh, you do what you got to do, but I think it's a little cowardly. And I think that a lot because I think a lot of people that do that, do that for nefarious reasons. so They can get away with being like a fucking Nazi on the internet or whatever. But, um, I, part of this, there is like a mechanism of solidarity where, uh, look, if everyone, if, if 99 people hide something about themselves, Online, then the one person that's public about it is going to face all like an improportional amount of backlash and grief and have to be a fucking martyr for whatever that cause is, whether it's something as mundane as having tattoos or whether it's sexuality or whatever the fuck, something more important. Right. And I I think that um, see this is where I am a little bit of a culture warrior is like. This is how we fight for a better world, where like everyone who agrees that you know you should be able to be a something like a comedian in addition to your fucking professional job uh, has the same interests here, you know. Um, and you, and that's really interesting how something material like a union is playing a positive role in catalyzing that or making it into you know the, the world that we live in. It's all connected, man. It's not just will Stancil ideology. it is all connected indeed so uh that's cool. Happy to hear that the union arbiter made that decision. Happy that happened for that comic. yeah and I think that that uh, poses a good omen, you know' right. it's for a, a better world as possible
1: indeed. and uh, yeah, Jad uh, open invitation to come on come on the show. I figured he probably is trying to keep a low profile, but I did. If
0: you're uh, worried about like uh, liability, this is not the podcast (laughs) you want to come on.
1: Yeah, that's what I say. Sometimes there are like people like, hey, I have this candidate on." It's like this—that's only going to be bad for them. Anyone running for office, but um, yeah, Uh, that's uh, that's this week. That's uh, we're all in the tank, right? At at the end of the day, we're all kind of swimming naked in the Bass Pro Shop fish tank.
0: At the end of the day, we're all a nude, small, dicked lunatic aren't we knocking ourselves out on the concrete floor of society, <laughs> cold and shaking in the, as we are born to a new year, uh, and other metaphors. Okay. Hey everyone. I've got a, a show I'm throwing. Um, it's a party. It's an indie sleaze themed party. There's going to be fucking Polaroids and shit. and Everyone's gonna be wearing American apparel, uh, it's called Crime Wave, which is a song by Crystal Castles. if you don't know. But it's also cool because I like crime. And guess what? It's a, it's also a comedy show. Me and Jamie Peck are doing our, our comedy duo show, The Woke Mob. I'm having some comics go on before and after us, I think. Then there's DJs and shit. Uh, and check this out. It's my birthday. So if you want to come hang out and see uh, some jokes and hang out with me on my birthday, the link will be in the show notes. Crime Wave.
1: And I'm uh, at Andersley here on Twitter, Dursley1 on Instagram. And uh, yeah, uh, keep your eyes peeled for paid protest. We had to cancel this past uh, week because Kath and Alex had COVID, um, but we will be posting uh, about the the next show in February pretty soon.
0: I'm at Will Stansel on Twitter. (laughs) It's finished. I mean X. I
1: mean Meta.